I don't remember if our maestro told you or not, but he wrote that song on the Take Me Back Country Folks. Isn't that a good talent? Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, the rest of us is just dirt, but he does a great job. <laughs> Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As we think this morning about not growing weary, don't give up, don't faint. But keep on going on for the Lord. We're going through the book of 2 Corinthians, and uh, we're down to chapter 4. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? We're going to try to cover most of the chapter, but, but we'll just read six verses, all right? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, and that God is a little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. <clears throat> Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you this morning. I pray your spirit would continue to deal with us You'd have freedom to move in and out of these aisles as you so choose. God, help us to be obedient. May we listen to the word and then become doers of the word, not hearers only. Thank you for this great choir, great music. Lord, we praise you. What a time of praise we've had. Lord, just thinking, just thinking about all the time we're going to spend in eternity praising and glorifying you. Lord, I pray this morning Maybe there's somebody here in our midst that if you were to come this morning, they'd be left behind. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, your power of the Holy Spirit would bring conviction. You would bring encouragement. You would deal with every one of us exactly where we are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for tuning in online. We've uh, upgraded some of that. Uh, I don't want to tell you that here in the congregation, uh, but it, it, it's a better than it ever has been, uh, but it's better in here than it ever is on, online. So I'm glad that you're here, and I'm also glad that you're joining us online. Paul started the church at Corinth, and if you read the first Corinthians, uh, the letter to the church at Corinth, you'll find that uh, this church was kind of different. <laughs> uh, the people were not moral. They were pretty well wicked. They were not religious. Uh, Paul, when he's addressing the church in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, he said, y'all are a bunch of thieves and covetousness and drunkards and extortioners and abusers of yourself and mankind. I thought this morning I would just come in here and just address you that way and see who jumped up and run out of here. But I guarantee you most folk wouldn't listen to that very long. Just about every sin you could think of, 
was going on in this church at Corinth. Yet Paul was compelled to preach there. And you wonder, why in the world would Paul pick a place like that to preach and to start a church? I think Paul discovered something. We may have discovered it, but maybe we've forgotten it and may not have even discovered it. Paul discovered that God loves everybody and cares for everybody. You may be here this morning and you came in thinking nobody cares. Let me tell you, our God cares for you. He loves you. And, and you don't have to do something to get to the point where God loves you. God loves you right where you are. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life. So Paul goes to Corinth and he starts this church. And it was a great church. Every gift that's mentioned in the Bible was used and practiced in the church at Corinth. And the testimony of Christ was within them. It was just a great, things were going super good. And then sin crept in. Division crept in. Disagreement crept in. Defilement. And all of that ends up in disgrace. So his first letter to the Corinthians, he deals with all those issues. One big issue they had is, is they had the issue of, uh, of uh, uh, cliques. If you were in a certain clique, uh, you got certain attention. But if you wasn't in the clique, you didn't get attention. And they were saying, oh, well, I'm a Paul. Well, I, I don't care where, who you are. I'm of Apollos. Well, I tell you, I'm of Peter. And Paul comes back and writes to him and said, Listen, it doesn't matter who was preaching when you got saved. Those guys can't save you. Paul can't save you. Apollos can't save you. Peter can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And so he said, this, this division needs to go away. There needs to be unity in the church because the only one that is going to save you is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to be some preacher. And so all of this carnal arguing and fighting, jealousy and all that, he deals with all of that. I don't have time to go through all that. The Judaizers had slept, crept in and they were the ones that uh, tried to convince everybody that the way to be saved was with salvation by works. And Paul had been teaching these people that uh, uh, the Judaizers thought that, that uh, the good works was the root of salvation. And Paul says, you got it all wrong. The good works is the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. You don't do good works to get saved. You get saved, and a byproduct of salvation is you will do good works. So they were confused, and, 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 and they came in with an old covenant, and Paul brought in the new covenant, and uh, and, and then it got worse. The people that Paul had taught, the people that had Paul had baptized, that he had been leading to the Lord and demonstrating character, they began to turn on Paul. And last week we discovered they wanted letters. And Paul said, I'm not giving you any letters. You don't need any letters. You're the reason that we have a ministry here. You were living in sin, and Jesus saved you and changed you. You're the letter that we need. Boy, that's the gospel truth today. We don't need any more formal letters, and we don't need any more forms to fill out. Southern Baptist got more paperwork than the U.S. government does. What we need is people who will stand up and say, hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was drugged, but now I'm clean and I'm sober, and I'm going to serve the Lord. He's real. Paul said, he's real, folks. We used to sing an old song, He's real, my God is real, real in my soul. Old quartet number there. 
Yes, God is real. I can feel him in my soul. He has revealed himself to us. He has saved us. He has washed us in his blood. He has in the process of sanctifying us. And one day, we're going to be glorified. Husband, look at your wife and say, you may nag now, but there's coming a day when I'm going to be perfect. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> it's going to happen. I guarantee it's going to happen as sure as I'm standing here. We're going to be caught up together to meet him in the clouds, and, and there we'll be like him forevermore. It's going to be glorious. He's saying here, God saved you. The Lord saved you. And you followed him in baptism. And we started a church. And we've seen the hand of God moving all around us. And now you're telling me that you're going to faint and, and you're going to let false apostles come in here and teach false prophecy and false doctrine? After all God has done for us, you going to let that happen? It may be this morning that you're not going to quit. You done made up your mind. I'm not going to quit. But maybe this morning you're fainting. Maybe this morning you just kind of on your last leg. It, it wouldn't take a whole lot. You're a donkey on the edge. Wouldn't take a whole lot to just send you over the edge. I'm dealing with a lot. You're dealing with a lot. But there's three words there at the end of verse 4. We faint not. We faint not. Why do we not faint? Well, because we have this ministry as we have received mercy. That's why we can't faint. You, you're, you're saved here. That's, all, that's wonderful. But there's thousands and millions of other people that are not saved. And this church needs to not faint. We need to be going stronger than we've ever gone before. Now, we've got God and we've got the Bible. But we also have to deal with the devil. He's got an arsenal. I, I jotted down four things that the devil loves to use. There are a lot more, but I just jotted four down. The first one is fear. Fear. Man, that fear will send you trembling. You know what God says about fear? He said in 2 Timothy 1:7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. My favorite verse that I've used for 50 years is Psalm 56:3. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid. You say, preacher, you're fearful of things. I sure am. I'm fearful of elevators. I ain't gonna lie to you. I, I'll ride this elevator here, but I've got a hatchet in my pocket ready to cut my way out of there if I need to. <laughs> done been there, done that, and got a t-shirt. I'm fearful. You know, there are a lot of things. Do, do you realize that this ministry between the academy and the day school and the church and the staff and, and all of the other people that are involved in this church, we have 57 people on the payroll here. And every two weeks, the devil lands right there and says, hey, you all may not have enough to make that. I say, yeah, we do, devil. We got enough. I send them back up in the counting room, count again. And if it gets bad, we're going to do like the black churches. We'll pass offering two or three times. <laughs> Ain't enough. Do it again. But people fear. We, we fear, and, and a lot of times we fear men when we ought to be fearing God. Uh, we're, we've ordered 30. We have eight out, but 30 have been ordered of the In God We Trust motto. 
it says in God we trust and it says uh, the United States motto by Congress in 1956 and whatever there you know if a, if a nonprofit gives a school the motto they have to hang it the, the law says in a prominent place amen it's not real difficult and you've already given I think we've got enough to buy 40 I believe if I counted it right but but they're saying you know buy these dollar and fifty cent uh, frames I thought oh my goodness who would want that to honor God so we went down to, and ordered these fifty dollar frames and got a beautiful poster Kay made them up did a great job now they ended up giving them to us half price so we've got twenty five dollar posters uh, but anyway, they're going to be nice. But this week, this week, the judge in Fort Worth has said, you've got to take those down. The reason you've got to take those down is because there's no representation for the rainbow crowd in there. Now, they said, if we would make the flag all the different colors, they would agree to it. I ain't agreeing to nothing. The flag is still part of the United States, too. I, listen, don't fear men. I, the nerve of men, I, you know, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to trust God. The second thing the devil uses is fatigue. You ever just get wore out? I mean, where you're just dragging and you're just worn out. Paul, uh, in Isaiah chapter 41, he said, fear not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I'll strengthen thee. Yea, I'll help thee. Yea, I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fatigue. You can get so wore out. I never will forget what Dr. Ed Young, we were in a young pastor's conference many years ago, 40, 40 years ago or so. And uh, he said, guys, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go home and take a nap. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go home and take a nap. I've tried to live by that principle. Uh, <laughs> but the phone won't stop ringing, so, you know. The other thing is frustration. The devil uses frustration. Uh, there's some things here at this church that frustrate me. I'd spit, but it would kill the grass for a month. I mean, you know one of the things that frustrates, frustrates me? is we'll have a high attendance day, a big blowout, and we'll have lower attendance than we've ever had before. Nobody will come. It frustrates the daylights out of me. You know what else frustrates me? We have people whose marriages are shaky and they want to do better, and so we get a top-notch guy to come in from the United States and going to have a marriage retreat, a marriage weekend, and the people who need it won't come. That frustrates me. I know you may never be frustrated, but I'm frustrated. I, I see people with kids. That we've raised our kids. We've tried to be biblical here at the church and tried to do a program that's not just fun and games. And yet, more than half of our kids, when they graduate from high school, we never see them again. That frustrates me. A writer in the 50s had uh, uh, written a book and uh, uh, it was in his 50s it wasn't the 50s it wasn't far off from there though 
But he had written a book and, and he had given it to different people. They all said, oh, no, it's terrible. No, no. He got frustrated, threw it in the trash can. Said, his wife said, honey, you, you need to do, let's do one more. Let's just do one more. Let's go to one more. I, he said, I forbid you to take that out of that trash can. Threw every page in the trash can. Well, when he wasn't there, she took it, wrapped it up in brown paper, went to a publisher, uh, and she said, I'd like for you to read this book. He said, okay. And she opened the brown bag. She said, my husband forbid me from taking this out of the trash, but he never said anything about you. You can take it out. Now, I'm not condoning this book. I've read the book. If you can read a book and keep it in spiritual mind, you're in good shape. The book is called The Power of Positive Thinking. Norman Vincent Peale was the author, and that book sold more than 30 million copies because his wife said, you may be frustrated, but let's try one more time. Let's try one more time. Uh, 2 Corinthians says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, not in despair. We're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. I was in uh, Port Arthur Thursday night, and Becky had gone on in the hotel, and, and I was carrying my suit, and I had a couple of bags, and I was trying to uh, uh, think, uh, 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 manage a, glass, a cup of water here with all this, and I walked over there and I saw the sidewalk, but there was a curb, a car stop before that sidewalk. Man, I hit that thing and went flying right across that thing, you know. You get up and uh, there's somebody right there. He, he had to be 20 or 30 years older than me. He said, son, are you all right? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. I may be knocked down, but I'm not knocked out, amen? There have been things that have knocked us down, but listen, let's don't get frustrated. We're still children of the Heavenly Father. And then the fourth thing I wrote down is fleshly fun and fornication. Don't ever underestimate the carnal and the flesh. I preached a funeral for Leonard. He was like a daddy and mother. Uh, him and his wife to us, took us in. Young, didn't know anything. And uh, she died 11 years ago. He, he was 93 when he died uh, and preached his funeral Friday. I asked him when he was in his 80s, late 80s. I said, Brother Leonard, when, when does it get a little easier? I mean, when does the devil begin to leave you alone? I mean, when you get to be 75 or is it 80 or is it 80? When, when does the devil leave you alone? I never will forget what he said. He said, I don't know. It ain't happened yet. It ain't happened yet. Well, it happened for him last Sunday morning when he left here and went to heaven. Never forget, T T Timothy 4, 10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, is departed unto Thessalonica. Wow, that word forsaken means literally to totally abandon. I keep under my body, Paul said, and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, lest I myself should be cast away. How sad, how sad that we see so many 
that have given their life to the Lord and yet they come down and God ends up putting them on a shelf because of some fornication or some fleshly fun and all of that. Mm. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Mm. That's what the Word of God says. Now we faint not. Let me go back to that first one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We've received a ministry. And I just wanted to jot down what those ministries are. Uh, I, there's a lot of ways this could be preached and a lot of ways to go through, but I just want us to reiterate what our ministry is here. Because our ministry ought to be the same thing it was at this church at Corinth. Number one, it's a God-called ministry. This church started under the trees over here off Cotton Street in a tent. It wasn't something that some man thought, I'll build a great kingdom. It was what some men got together and said, listen, we need a church over here to be a light shining in this neighborhood. We need to lead people to Christ. And that's still the same thing today. This is a God-called church. It doesn't belong. Baptists say sometimes, well, I'm going to Brother Hunt's church. I'm going to Brother John's church. I'm going to Dr. Jeffers' church. We don't have a church. One of the greatest reliefs I ever had in my life was in 1987. I discovered in Fort Worth in a hotel room lying flat down on the floor that this church didn't belong to me. I was frustrated. I was tired, fatigued. I was fearful. I had all of those things. And the Lord said, hey, this ain't your church. I said, I'd build my church. Why are you wanting a church? You don't need no church. This church don't belong to the preacher. It don't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. It's a God-called ministry in this church. We're saved by his mercy. We're called by his mercy. We're kept by his mercy. And by his mercy, he gave me a good godly wife. I, I, she felt called to. I was in the ministry. I was walking down the aisle to Mid-City Baptist Church in Shreveport, and I looked up in the choir. She was sitting right over there, a little bit lower than where she sits now. And I said, that's the one I want to marry right there. I ain't lying. She left the choir. Now, honey, shake your head, because they know I'm lying. They think I'm lying. They think I'm lying. She left the choir and went into another room and told her three girlfriends, he's the one I want to marry. And God put us together. That's a God thing. We're in the God business. It's a God-called ministry, but it's also a Bible-based ministry. Verse 2, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. But we've done it with manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves. It's, we have not handled the Word of God deceitfully. I've tried my best. I'm not telling you I've always done it, but I've tried my best, and I've tried to teach every person we've got that comes through this staff here to study the Word of God, to understand the Word of God, to analyze the Word of God, to illustrate the Word of God so that we can apply it to our hearts. It doesn't do any good to stand up here and read the Word of God and even expound on the Word of God if you don't have any idea what we said. I've been with some guys like that. They were smart. They, I'm telling you, we had one. He, 
He's the smartest man I've worked with in my life. But everybody would leave church saying, now what, now what did he say? What, what, what did he mean? I, I use the philosophy of, of uh, J. Vernon McGee. Keep the cookies on the lower shelf so the kids can get to them. That's the only shelf I know. It's a Bible-based ministry. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in the Word of God. You know you wonder why I preach the Word of God? Two reasons. Number one, I'm not smart enough to preach anything else. Hmm. I've been in this church almost 20 years, and you'd get tired of me preaching my own well, drawing from my own well. That, that wouldn't take long to get tired of me preaching the same thing over and over and over and over again. Every time we have a building program here, we have one since I started. I don't know that we've ever been out of one. Incidentally, we have one now too. <laughs> Vision build, be sure and give to that. <laughs> People will always come up and say, Brother Charles, you can only go to the well so many times. You're pushing it. And I say, well, it depends on whose well you're going to. If you go to my well, we're dry. But I tell you, there's a well that the Lord has that never runs dry. So I, I'm not smart enough to preach anything else. But the second reason I preach the Bible is because I'm too smart to preach anything else. <clears throat> I know the power of the Lord is in this word right here. And I don't want to compromise it. I don't want to trim it. I don't want to be somebody, a preacherette that preaches to Christianettes that sit in their Corvettes and smoke their cigarettes and live in their kitchenettes. I want to give you the Word of God. Well, let me hurry. i got to get out of here. It, it is a God called. It is Bible-based, and it is a Satan-opposed ministry. The devil doesn't like what we're doing. And while you're out trying to sow seeds to get people saved, the old devil's right there trying to pluck the seed and, and put doubt in people's hearts and minds and saying, hey, you can be saved, but you got plenty of time. You got plenty of time. The Bible says, if our gospel be hid, in verse 3, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, that's little g of this world, that's the devil, the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There are those who discourage me from getting into ministry. My own mother, when I said, I came home and said, I've decided I've surrendered, I'm going to surrender to the ministry. To do what? I said, well, to sing. Well, you can't sing. I said, well, I don't know. We'll do whatever I need to do. Others said, hey, you can make a lot more money doing this. You can do this a whole lot more. I can't tell you the number of kids we've seen at camp that come back fired up wanting to be a missionary to serve God, and then they get home and their parents say, well, you can't make a living doing that. You need to get, ah, uh, get that off your mind. You get a good education. That's what you need. Yeah. Satan opposed it. It was in the Southern Baptist Convention that they're drifting more and more to the left, and a lot of men decided they'd do something. The great, the great uh, resurgence of the conservatives started in 1979 at the 
uh, Astrodome. I was there. I was part of the new state convention. I've been there. I, I want to tell you, when you mention the name Charles Hunt, you do one of two things. You pucker up or you duck. <laughs> because those who love me will kiss you. Those who don't will knock the daylights out of you. So you, you, you kiss or you, you, you pucker up or you duck. Get ready to duck. Uh, the God of this world, that's the devil. Listen, don't you underestimate him. He's got a target on every one of our backs. And he would much rather shut down a thriving church that's standing on the word of God than he would some liberal church over here that don't even believe the Bible. I've gone through all of those things. I understand. I know what liberalism is, and it frustrates me. I wish we had a, a school here that really was a conservative school. We don't. We don't. Some may be better than others. I remember when I went to uh, college, you know, uh, you know, they're saying, and Jason, I went and had to go, and, and, and the guy knew me, and he pointed me out. Uh, and then lo and behold, I'm sitting there biting my tongue because Becky's pinching me saying, don't say a word. Don't say a word. And get in there, and, and this guy is Jason's uh, counselor. I said, babe, you, you go in there with Jason. I don't need to go in there. I'll sit out here. No, you're going with us. He walks in. I walk in. He said, made you nervous this morning, didn't I? I said, no, no, I, I about ready to shout. He said, well, you didn't hear what I said? I said, I heard what you said. You said that uh, it wasn't the Red Sea that uh, Moses parted. It was a sea of reeds. And the sea of reeds is only four or five inches deep. Now, this is at a college, Baptist University. And I said, well, you see, what that makes me want to shout for is I read on in the story, God destroyed an entire Egyptian army in five inches of water. <laughs> All you've done is make the miracle bigger. <laughs> hey, the devil will always cast doubt. He'll always cast doubt. But you've got to stand on the Word of God. and be. It's a Christ-centered ministry. We preach not ourselves, he said in verse 5, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Uh, you, you're looking at a clay jar right here. That's all I am. If God takes his hand off me, I won't be worth any more than that empty bottle sitting right there. Not a dime worth more. Because everything is Christ-centered. And if the Lord is not with us, we're in vain. Everything we do, it's a Christ-centered. And then also it's God-sustained. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Verse 8 says, we're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Wow. There have been some tough times. We've been to the graveside of a little baby that was born that didn't make it. We've seen heartaches in marriages of unfaithful people. We've seen young people go astray. We've seen great darkness and despair. 
But I want to tell you, we've never known a time when the Lord hadn't been right there with us. He'll carry us through. Then it's a conviction confirmed ministry. Paul said in verse 13, just going right down the chapter, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Don't preach your doubts, preach your convictions. We stand on the word of God. I hear people say sometimes, well, I, I wanna go deeper with God. I, uh, we found the Lord there, but we're, we're, we're going to this place that's deeper. Uh, what you're going to do is die in a mud hole, quicksand. You don't need to go deeper with God. You just need to start doing what you already know you ought to be doing. Every one of us know more of this Bible that we're not doing, and we ought to start doing that. And then we'll grow deeper with God. It's a conviction confirmed. We also believe, he said, and therefore we speak. We don't keep our mouth shut. We've got to speak about how good God is. We just heard the testimony of Denise over here. God, help us to not shut up. Help us to say, I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus. We've got a ministry. What kind of ministry is it? It's a ministry of grace. Because folk all around us are going to hell. Let me give you this last one. I'm through. It's an eternal lasting ministry. Eternal lasting. Now, you can join the Cub Scouts and you can become a Boy Scout and you can have an eagle. Uh, you can leave there being an eagle. And that's good. That teaches a lot of things. But let me tell you, on your deathbed, it's going to burn up. You can do the same thing in sports. You can do the same thing in education. You can do the same thing. I don't care how high you climb the ladder or what you do. The moment you die, it dies with you. It dies with you. But could I tell you the ministry that this church has? The ministry of grace? When we die, it lasts for eternity. Well, somebody ought to shout it there. You say, ah... I'm telling you, the Bible says when we've come to Jesus Christ, whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We will live forever. Forever. We're going to enjoy heaven. Now, I wouldn't be right if I didn't tell you that there's another place called hell. But I'm telling you, God's done everything he can to try to keep you from going there. Even to the place of saying, hey, I'm sending my son to die for you so that you can have eternal life. My, uh, it's hard, I, I love the Astros. Uh, I was watching them when they were the Colt 45s down in the old stadium. Been there a long time. I used to do a VCR. I, I figured out how to use that thing. You know, us old folk, we, we, didn't, have, we didn't have no problem using the the, uh, what do you call them, tapes? Uh, which one? Yeah. The, no, yeah, the VHS. Yeah, that thing there. You could figure that thing out, you know. But now they come up with this DVD stuff. It's digital. And I can't see if it's running or not. You know, on the old VCR, you could see the green line. You could hear. 
I, I will tape when I'm in church or something, I tape the Astros games, and I'll sit up late at night, one, two o'clock in the morning, because I, I, I look to see that they win. If they don't win, I don't even view the tape. I throw it away. It's not a tape anymore, DVD. I cancel it. But if they win, I, I watch the whole game. And it may be in the sixth inning that the Cardinals has got the bases loaded, and he's gonna had a wild pitch, and here goes one sailing out of the park for a home run, and I thought, good grief. But I'm not praying, because I don't seen the end. We come out on top. We win, amen? So I enjoyed the game. Let them hit all the home runs they want to. It's a win for us. We, we ought to be treating Christianity the same way. Some of you going through some hard times. But if you'll read the end of the book, you'll know what the result is. <laughs> We're going to win. We're going to smell like roses when this thing's over with. There may be some hard times now, but that's all right. Cheer up. <laughs> this is the middle of the game. We're going to end up winning. I was sitting, I don't know, 1.30 this morning or so, I was saying, Lord, I need a song. And it's actually in our hymnals. I've never even heard it before. I was just surfing around trying to find a song, and, and uh, Peg McCamey, she's my favorite singer, and, and she was singing this song. It, it says, I started out to walk in the light, shining upon me from heaven so bright. I bade this world and its follies adieu. I started out in Jesus, and I'm going through. I'm going through. Yes, I'm going through. I'll pay the price, whatever others may do. I'll take this way with my Lord's despised you. For I started out with Jesus, and I'm going through. We faint not. Maybe this morning, I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to just come and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, man, there's some times I've fainted. But right now, in this time, with this situation, with our country in the moral shape that it's in, with our churches empty, and, and, and the spirit has long left, could we not come and say, Lord, we're gonna go through. We started out with you, I started out with you 60 years ago, and I'm going through. I'm going through. Maybe you need a church home this morning to go through with. Church home ought to encourage. It ought to uh, increase our faith. It ought to uh, give us the extra shot we need. A congregation, a celebration, as the word said. Maybe this morning, though, let me tell you, if you haven't trusted Jesus, you can't go through. You can't go through. That's step one. Father, we're grateful today for all you've blessed us with. We are a very blessed people. You have shown us miracle after miracle. You've taken care of everything 
Lord, our hearts are still burdened, though, for those that are in this place today that are not saved. God, today, could it be their day of salvation? Would your Holy Spirit guide others in decisions that must be made? Lord, help us not to wander, but to be a part of the family of God, to be a part of a local church, to say, I'm not going to back up, I'm not going to compromise the Word, I'm going to stand on God's holy Word. And I'm going to love, and I'm going to be a disciple, and I'm going to be an evangelistic person. I'm going to tell others I'm not going to be ashamed because, God, you've been so good to me. Would you have your way in this invitation? We'll not linger. We'll not manipulate. We'll simply ask you, Lord, Holy Spirit, fall fresh. Do as you please. In Jesus' name, amen.